This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. You're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. Warning. This time you'll be inside the world's most terrifying house. Amityville 3D. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration Sequel 2 Deja Vu. We're bringing you something special this week. We bring you something, well, we bring you something special every week, but <laughs> something especially bad, especially bad. We're doing a bad sequel this week, at least in our eyes. We're doing the 1983 Amityville 3D. Yes, you heard it right. Amityville 3D, the last theatrical, and probably rightly so. Last theatrical Amityville horror movie. Although it has a, as my co-host, well, I'm welcome my co-host Eric Phillips. Welcome. As once you. again, sorry I put you through this one this week. We'll choose something better next week. <laughs> but uh, as you pointed out, there is a warning in the trailer in this movie, and I think it is on some of the posters. Two warnings: one that says, "In this movie, you are the victim," and how right they are about that. Anybody <laughs> watch this movie is a fucking victim. Foreshadowing, if ever. <laughs> right. Foreshadowing of like uh, people talking to the ushers, be like, how do I get my money back? How do I do that? Uh, people, they're still trying to repay those tickets from 1983. But the second uh, the warning would be that uh, this film is in no way associated with the first Amityville horror or Amityville 2 The Possession. So I think you. Uh, you called it right, uh, Eric, when we were talking off the air before the show. This is a, a bootleg sequel. Then again, most of the sequels would be bootleg sequels of varying quality. There's some of these straight-to-video ones that I like. You know, they're good for what they are. But, uh, yeah, this one, whoo-wee, it stinks to high heaven. Oh, it does. But you know what? I, there is one thing I will give it credit for. The 3D effects. Now, hear me out. Most of them are shit. But the one good thing that just kind of gave me that warm little nostalgia fuddy feeling at the beginning of that movie is the 3D effect when you get the Amityville 3D sign. And, you know, it looks so hokey nowadays. But the the effect still can look good. Because there's a, a band called Ghost that used practically the same effect to do some of their music videos. Uh, I think it's called Square Hammer. Um, but they, they use that 3D effect that they used back in the day for the same effects. And it looks good the way they do it because they do it right. So even crap effects can look good if you do them right. <laughs> right. And this mo movie, I think, more times than not shows you how to not do it, do things right. This is a good movie. Oh, it's it to be is. a part of everybody's film school because it's almost as important – 
Well, no, I, I, I'm going to say it's more important to know what not to do as opposed to know what to do. And yes. this movie shows a lot of what you shouldn't do. Pacing, editing, uh, some questionable acting. But, you know, there is a couple of good 3D effects. I think the the opening shot of the Amityville house with the sign flapping towards the camera and the, you know, the branches on the tw- tree kind of moving towards the camera look good. But then you got like the, the flying marlin at the end <laughs> or whatever that fish was. Swordfish. Yeah, swordfish. That was it. Yeah. But oh, my God. That was bad. I mean, I've seen better effects on a Three Stooges short. I have to uh, say. You know what? Even the, even that. We will get to shortly. <laughs> well, I mean, wanna, let, let's go ahead and give the, the quick IMDb, the two-sentence synopsis, and we'll get into tearing this one a new asshole. All right. Amityville 3D. A reporter moves into the Amityville house in defiance of the supernatural events that are connected to it and finds everyone around him besieged by the evil manifestations which are connected to a demonic presence in the basement. Okay, well, I'll admit for once, IMDb is pretty straightforward with that. No subterfuge there. But no. I, 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 love, I, do, I, do, I will have to say, you know, something we touched base on was the opening of this movie. Uh, the couple that are pseudo couple that are there, you know, uh, having the seance. I think I have to give some credit to Richard Fleischer. He, the, the man directed 62 films. This was one of his last, but he did things like Conan the Destroyer, uh, Red Sonia, and not a great movie, but memorable movie. Mr. Majestic with Charles Bronson. He did a lot. He knows how to open a movie. He opens oh. with some great, some great gimmicks. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on one slight thing there. I I, I love Red Sonia. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's a good bad movie. It, it's it's a bad movie, but it's a movie that's so bad it's good. It's not a one that's so bad it's bad. It's it. I actually have to re- revisit it at some point, but but you know, I mean, he also did Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, Soylent Green, Fantastic Voyage, a bunch of classic, you know, sci-fi oh, stuff. Oh God, yeah, so Soylent that, Green, Love Letter to people, My Heart. That's what the fucking <laughs> the, the hole in the basement of Amityville was filled with. <laughs> Soylent Green. It's it was left over 50,000 50, gallons of Soylent Green was left over, and they're like, we got to do something with this shit. I'm put it in the Amityville basement. That's where all the rest of that hell shit goes anyway. Right, right. <laughs> Along with the Chud Monster that pops up at the end, we will get to the Chud Monster that shows up. <laughs> <laughs> he does. It is a remarkable exemplar to a chud monster. Now that you mention oh, it, oh yeah, it's it's straight up a chud, man. But I anyway. actually put it in my notes: scary garbage pail kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, you know, my first note here is sure. Let's have a seance in the middle of the Amityville house where all these people have been killed and been attacked over the years, and try to contact your dead kid. And you know that we get besieged by the by an old lady who who's a, a conduit to the spirit. She thinks, but she's got she's got like emphysema or something. She's got something wrong with her. She's hacking up all over the place. And then we get our our pseudo couple Tony Roberts, who I loved in Popcorn. That's one of the few things I know him from. I know he's done a lot more things uh, playing uh, John Baxter, our main character, and his uh, quote unquote wife, played by Candy Clark. Uh, you know, American graffiti and whatnot, and uh, his partner Melanie. I, you know something's up because they're both dressed like in like matching Columbo cosplay. Yeah, I noticed that too. They come walking in like the trench coat mafia. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same kind of fucking like raincoat slash trench coat. I'm like, okay, we're gonna contact our dead kid. Well, within seconds, you realize, you, you know, it it's a farce because the. There's sound effects going off, and there's a guy in the corner that they finally see that is, like, dangling this, you know, uh, glowing green orb. But I like how they, I like how it's, I do like this start, you know, when you think it's, you know, really a real seance, and it turns out that it's just a gimmick. And this is where I'll, I'll let you take uh, the reins on this, since you mentioned it before in our uh, pre-show conversation, but... Who you think this, uh, and I also am in the same opinion, but who you think this elderly couple is, uh, who the producers were possibly taking a, a dig at? 
I honestly, I, I do based on the way they were dressed at the time and all the interviews I've seen. And like Amityville is one of the houses that when I first heard about it, you know, I went and did all kinds of research on it because I was just so fascinated by the story. And uh, it was investigated in 1975 by Ed and Lorraine Warren, who have made uh, quite a bit of popularity and uh, a name for themselves over the years because they were the ones that initially investigated the Amityville house in the real life story after the DeFeos had moved out. Um, so it's <laughs> it's quite possibly an early dig at them because they a lot of people think that they're fraudulent people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think anybody I would assume with a half educated brain would think that they're uh frauds and charlatans and stuff but you know uh, i hate saying that in a way because who am i to judge you know maybe they saw something that was real but like there's some questionable shit going on oh there's very yeah there's very questionable stories there and i mean the fact that they're making the conjuring movies on them now about all these stories that they have and it's like uh, okay you know (laughs) I've I've seen stuff in this world that I can't explain, but it ain't never been nothing like that. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> yeah, me me too, me too. I'm I'm highly a skeptic, but that being said, again, sure, let's have a séance in the Amityville house. That seems like the good once they get debunked though, the old lady just completely loses it. Spits in Melanie's face, which that always you know, I guess you could say grinds my gears when you see somebody get, like, spit in their faces. It's like, you know, and there's no higher form of fucking disrespect. And, and Melanie takes it pretty well, you know. I mean, all things considered. Right. Yeah, you know, she takes it calmly. I, I'd probably be in, be needing bail money within 30 seconds of something like that happening. But, you know, it is what it is. But then the Tony Roberts gets suckered into uh, John Baxter. His character gets suckered into by how cool the place is. And he talks to the uh, the homeowner the next day who had rented the house out for the seance. I forgot the actor's name, but the character's was Clifford Sanders, I think. I think it was Sanders, Clifford Sanders. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, I didn't know anything about this. And was like, they said you were involved and knew everything about it. And he's like, no, no, I didn't know anything. And he's showing him around and kind of like just showing him around the place, you know, post seance. And there's some old clapboards laying on top of a hole in the ground in the basement. And he has this comical fucking scene where the homeowner almost falls into the, the, the hole, which they quickly dubbed the gateway to hell. Which there was no gateway to hell in the the home. The home is still standing and still very much, you know, a part of history. And there's, you know, no hole in the basement leading to hell, folks. There's all uh, liberties being taken <laughs> by, by us movie folk, you know. But I wanted to love when John Baxter asked for uh, what the place is is cost of the buy because you know he's living in an apartment he's getting a divorce from his wife so he's not very comfortable and so it's affordable very affordable like like yeah so that things that make you go hmm you know and our character just misses it (laughs) oh he misses it until it's way too late uh, in this movie we won't get to like what happens quite yet we'll try to save that spoiler for and when it comes along in the movie but like when he finally like comes around to like how bad this place is and how evil it is it's far too late uh people are dying all around him and like i like tony roberts as an actor i think he's a good actor but like his character is so fucking dense in this man (laughs) he really is i mean the schmuck literally gets told by the real estate agent he can't even sell the houses next to the place and you know People are like, people are not wanting this house. That's why it's so damn cheap. And he's just like, hmm, why not? <laughs> yeah. What do I got to lose? You know? But but what comes next is the real the real kick in the pants where you're just like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to die. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. Uh, 
the fucking well <laughs> we get the friggin the shot where uh it's the first death of the movie uh after you know Clifford sells John Baxter the house you know he's in there one last time doing his landlordly duties of selling a place or whatever, and he gets killed, and we get the worst friggin' sky raisins we've ever seen in our life. Oh, my gosh. And, and they're so I, huge. They're so comically <laughs> huge, these fucking flies, man. They're like, not are even they all flies. flies? They're, they're, they're not even flies. They're What they did, like, the however they do the effect, they just put little black dots. It's all it is, is black dots. And they're moving around and swirling is all that is. It's not even, they didn't even try to make it look like a fly. <laughs> they do have like the one or two shots where the one of the flies comes up right into a close-up and you see it in detail. It doesn't look like a fly. It, no, it, it, it looks like the bug from Phantasm. <laughs> yeah, it really does. You know, you expect <laughs> it to spew like you know yellow blood and shit, but no, it's... Oh, God, so the, the effects in this movie is so bad, folks. It, it, it really is. And it's not just that they're dated effects. It's just they're good effects done poorly. Like, you could tell, yeah. like, they had money poured into them, but they just didn't know what the hell they were doing. And it was kind of clear in a couple of spots when they actually had real bugs, or, like, not real bugs, but even if there was just fake bugs that were plastered to the actor's face, you can see the... <laughs> the, the glue even or the, the honey. Even, you know what? Even the fake bugs look better than those swirly black dots. It, it just it looked like it looked like a bunch of raisins dancing around on the screen. Yeah, like you said, they look like sky raisins. <laughs> you know what? And despite this guy fucking dying from being sitting there, he just you put that. I'll let you take that point off that you pointed out as he's. Friggin' dying in the hallway, choking on sky yeah. raisins. Yeah, yeah. All the raisins are gone. They're all like probably inside him at this point. They're choking him. He's dying out. He he's laying on the top of the steps. John Baxter comes home, sees him reaching out for him with his dying breath, you know. And John Baxter just stares at him in, in amazement and wonderment, just kind of like, oh, hey, hey, buddy. Yeah, I guess somebody should take care of that, huh? You know, I mean, not doing a damn thing, not calling for help, not running down the stairs to get to the phone, not, you know, asking him if he's okay, nothing. Just straight up stares at him until the dude dies. I just, that's where I, I, I checked out that, like, that's pretty much the point where I checked out on the John Baxter character, because I'm like, okay, <laughs> he, he's, he's an idiot. And not only that, but he's a piece of shit. He just let his realtor just die right in front of him. It's like, oh, hey, this is normal. I ain't even got my shit moved in yet. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Can't sell this place because all the shit that happens here. And then the guy that sells now is just drops dead. And, right uh, in front of you. Right in front of you. After he just sold the house to you, it's like, nah, that ain't nothing wrong. Nothing at all. Oh. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And then we enter, uh, this is when uh, the great and not so great team, uh, Meg Ryan and Lori Laughlin come in. Now, Lori Laughlin uh, is in the news quite a bit lately with a college admissions scandal going on. We won't get into that, but that's her claim to fame as of late after Full House. Uh, <laughs> but this was her. <laughs> there you uh, go, because a lot of people aren't going to know who she is, really, unless you say it's Aunt Becky from Full House. Right, right. <laughs> And about 101 Christmas movies. Lifetime. You watch those oh Lifetime. Oh, God. Christmas yeah. Lifetime connected. television for battered women. And I've been eating mine plain this whole time. <laughs> oh, but um, Oh, gosh. <clears throat> but Lori plays uh, the daughters. She plays Susan Baxter. And Meg Ryan is her best friend, Lisa. And this is an early film by both of them. It was not like their first films, but this is only like second or third second film and in. Third. <laughs> yeah, in from both of them. And it's just kind of like, you know, at the time, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think that these would be the people that were going to become big stars at one point. But, oh, then we get, the, this is the first eerie part of the movie, even though we've already had our first death, the distorted pictures of the realtor Clifford. Yeah, I think yeah, that might have been... Right afterwards or right before his death, when Melanie sees all the pictures and he looks like a 
He looks um, like Freddy Krueger's cousin. I can't remember if it's right before or it's right after, but it, it it's still it's greatly done. It's definitely creepy how they do it and make it look, you know, all the rest of the phone is fine, but this guy's face is just fucked up in every single one. And, no, I will uh, it's admit, also, like I would admit in the in the beginning, and when I first saw this, I thought, oh, maybe he was part of the house, but no, then you know, why would the house kill him? You know, right? No, he was just next on the house's list. Right, mark right. Of the, mark of the curse. Uh, we also get a second shot, which you know, kind of can also. Uh, Furthers my theory about this being a dig at the Warrens because they're in the magazine office. And one of the shots you see, the article by John Baxter, the main character, is the Amityville fraud. Oh, that's right. You did mention that. I did not catch that the first time around. Yeah, if you notice, it's uh, they show it on an end table at one point, And then in another scene, it's framed in the background. Like, uh, you know how people hang magazines after they've been on the cover. Wait, yeah, I did see something that said... They had the uh, the name of the the magazine, and then it said something about Amityville on it. I do remember that, but I didn't get to read it yeah, fast it says, enough. It says the Amityville fraud with uh, John Baxter, which is the main character. Nice, nice. Yeah, it might be a dig at the Warrens, you know, kind of an off the, how do you want to say, off the records kind of dig. Yeah. Oh, I think, well, not only that, because another thing is is that uh lorraine warren is known to dress a very certain way and the old woman in the first scene is dressed and awful similar to what she was wearing so that's another thing that you know ed's known for wearing a suit a lot of the time and she's wearing she looks she's she wears the old you know handmade old-timey looking dresses yeah, that's a, that almost looks kind of borderline Amish or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's how that couple was dressed that were scammers, too. So, you know, it, it could be just be reading into shit, but there's an awful lot of similarities there. Well, these were people that did not have the probably the, the rights to the Amityville name at the time, which is why the disclaimer was probably on there. So they probably did not have permission to use the real names and things. You know, they didn't have conjuring money back in 83. So it, it's very possible, you know. I would love to dig into that more and find out. But, yeah, that seems pretty, pretty like likely. I mean, it's it just Occam's razor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what comes next? We get the the return of Robert Joy, uh, uh, the Dr. Elliot West. And Robert Joy is a great character actor. He was at the beginning. He shows up with uh, John and Melanie's team to debunk the the fake Warrens at the beginning. And he shows up. And again, great character actor. I checked and looked. He did 138 roles and is still going strong. He's done a bunch of genre movies. Um, Death Wish uh, four or was it, no death wish five hills have eyes remake the dark half uh fallen with john goodman denzel washington land of the dead for george romero the, the list goes on and on but he's great and the thing is he's underused uh he's probably the best actor in the movie and the most compelling actor in the movie and again completely underused yes agreed very underutilized but, yeah and uh he, you know he kind of warns you know uh Baxter about the house and Melanie goes to him with the pictures kind of wanting to figure out like you know trying to figure out what's going on and they're both trying to talk sense throughout the movie into Baxter about this but he is the you know for being somebody who's so convinced of his surroundings he's really got his eyes closed in this whole movie it's just like as as an audience member I'm like insulted I'm like are people really this dumb but like yes and you look around you and people really are <laughs> you know that fucking dumb like i said you know i told a friend of mine like if you really want to know why i avoid humanity all you got to do is google man throws poop you can you will see everything you need to know about human beings with that google search uh, <laughs> i've seen monkeys throw poop and that's bad enough or you could just t uh, google florida man and probably uh Florida Man's another one. Yep. But that being said, we have a clear-cut case with Tony Roberts in this movie. Again, Tony, magnificent actor. You played uh, one hell of a dunce as a character, I got to tell you. 
But yeah, uh, now you know, my notes call him the schmuck. Yeah, I keep calling him asshole because it's like you know, because <laughs> it's just like you know, help Clifford, you asshole. Like, don't just stare at a man while he's like hyperventilating and you know, and asphyxiating in front of you, probably having a stroke. Help him. Staring <laughs> is not going to help. <laughs> that's what I fucking would do. It's like, why are you looking at him like that, you schmuck? Go grab the phone. <laughs> they had t- they had phones in '83. Maybe not cellular phones, but goddamn. So what does this fucking idiot do next? He moves Susan, his daughter, into the house, into the upstairs like loft <laughs> where like all the bad shit happens. And he'll let, you know, and he will live long enough to regret that. He will live long yeah, enough. To not that. to mention the fact. Speaking of which, he's writing a book about this house, and he knows everything that happened in this house. And he's like, "Oh yeah, pick this one. Oh, you want the death room? Sure, honey. You, you get what exactly. What a father. Just give the kid whatever they want. You know. Like, and it only cost her one giant hug. Yeah, yeah, no shit. No, it cost uh, her more than that. Yeah, in the end, a cast her a bad hairdo and a bad cardigan sweater. <laughs> oh, but poor Candy Clark is Melanie. She knows something's up. She keeps trying to talk sense into to John, and he's just not having it. I, I did write down that this was probably the worst jump scare I've ever seen in a movie. When Melanie goes into the house... She runs into Dolores, the maid, who you would never see again after this. He has a maid, but she's only in like one scene and never shown in the house again. But their reactions to each other of, you know, opening the door and revealing that it's the maid in the kitchen making all the noise. Them half screaming and half laughing. I really have to ask, is that the best take they could get? I, I just <laughs> don't get it. It's, it's not as past ridic- ridiculous. It's totally into redonkulous stage at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's a like a phantasm, like another phantasm reference. Uh, oh, when yeah. They go into Reggie's house, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, some black woman just appears. <laughs> I can't even remember what she says. She's only got one line in the movie, but she scares the shit out of him. Yeah, she says something like, like, Oh, you boys sure staying out late, aren't you? Like, oh, Jesus, her name was Myrtle. Yeah. It was Myrtle. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, where did she come from? Who is she? Right. And like, and just gone after that. Come and gone in one scene. Five movies later, and she's never mentioned again. Uh, She was just another spirit in the house. She was there to fucking fake everybody else out. I'm I'm telling you, that's what it is. That's why it doesn't make (laughs) any sense. That's the fucking tall man. (laughs) Oh, shit. You and your fucking games. The seance is about to begin, sir. <laughs> and I don't know what you got to what you got to say about this, but I got a whole slow to say. I, I could <sighs> the elevator hijink scene. Are we led to believe that the house could possess a, an, an elevator to try and kill John Baxter? That's not even in the house. It's in another building across town. Like evil it, follows you wherever you go. Yeah, and the fucking, followed by a goddamn sky raisin, you know, flying around and buzzing. The things look like big overgrown horse flies, man. They don't even look like anything I've ever seen before. They're just like giant horse flies. But like, it's not even, it looks like somebody took a milk dud, put it on fishing line, and threw it across the street. Right, right. Yes. Oh, God, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, what do we nuts. got for I was just going to say, what do we got for effects, Raisinets? <laughs> we got a couple everlasting gobstoppers. We'll just paint them. <laughs> it's probably all Raisinets. Like, why'd you get all the Raisinets? Because the movie theater threw them away. Nobody eats them. They're hard as a rock, but we can throw them at the screen and it'll look like flies. Oh, God. But the elevator hijinks, <laughs> man. Like, the fly, like, it maybe the harbinger of doom, you know? Maybe that's what the fly is meant to be. But... The, the the acting that Tony Roberts does in this, I don't know if it was intentionally supposed to be this bad. I, I love it because it's so bad. It made me laugh out loud three times his acting in this scene where the elevator drops 20 floors in the blink of an eye and then it goes up 20 floors in the blink of an eye. It's it's like that 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 William Shatner, James T. Kirk, oh, the Enterprise Bridge is being <laughs> bombed and they rock the camera back and forth and he just throws <laughs> yeah. himself at the <laughs> 
whoop, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, oh my lord. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I never, I never like quite put it, heard it put like that before. But yeah, that's a pretty accurate description. Yeah, it, it's just 1960s uh, Star Trek getting thrown around the the bridge of the Enterprise kind of act. All that was missing was the sparkler effects. Oh yeah, all, all they all they needed is some sparks to go in, and like I can't believe with all the emphasis on the 3D they had in this, they didn't have a shot of the elevator coming towards the camera or something. Yeah, there, just, oh, there are so many missed opportunities in this movie, but I did not catch that one. But yeah, that is a good point. They should have done that. Yeah, see, folks. Hire us to write your movie. It can't be any goddamn worse, I guarantee you. Uh, and this, and speaking of can't get any worse, I'm going to take one break of talking about this sequel to to just briefly mention some of the other iterations of this uh, franchise. There <laughs> are 29, if I'm counting right, either official, you know, theatrical movies, TV movies, and direct-to-video sequels there is like 16 movies counting the remake, uh, the kind of meta re- redo uh, that came out a couple of years ago. But then there are a couple of dozen other sequels. I think there's a total of, like, I made a count of 29 movies that have to deal with Amity. And, oh my God, some of them are of varying quality, but I have to mention, at least in part, one of my favorites. Uh, Amityville Vibrator, did, done by uh, Nathan Rumler. Uh, he did that and finished it off in quarantine under, under the pandemic rules and whatnot last year. Uh, it's a great, <laughs> it has really nothing to do with Amity, but it's a great movie. But yes, Amityville Vibrator, there's so many different ones. There's, just to mention a couple, Amityville the Va- Vanishing Point, Amityville Playhouse, Amityville Death House. And then a couple of the you know original sequels. There was Amityville Four, which would come six years after this one. Uh, the Amityville Four: The Evil Escapes, and then there was a pretty much a sequel every year or every other year to '96, and then they stopped, thankfully, <laughs> until the remake came out in 2005. And then, oh my God! After 2011, there's the the other like 15 other yeah, pseudo Amityville movies. <laughs> like somebody, like like I swear to God, I think it's just the name Amityville probably can't be copywritten, so they're just like, if we throw the Amityville name on it, you know, fuck. I mean, we got we got, oh, already got a built-in shots bandage. of the house on them too. It's that infinite shot. They use the same infinite shot of the house. They use the same friggin' stuff. Yeah. There was one on, on there called the Amityville Haunting, and it showed a picture of the iconic house and stuff. And then you go to the place, and it ain't even the Amityville house. It looks nothing like it. It looked like my grandparents' place in Bradley fucking years ago. Right, right. <laughs> Which looked nothing like that house. <laughs> so it's so silly. It's this. It's it's really hard to keep straight which ones are in canon. You know, with the you know what I mean with the actual house and the, the legend of the house and the other ones that just like just didn't give a shit but yeah I, i'm sure if the show goes on long enough we will cover a couple more of these uh yeah i'm i'm gonna need, need a few stiff drinks a few bong rips before i'm gonna do another amityville movie anytime soon but <laughs> we we need more listeners to go through that hell. Yeah, <laughs> so we may have to do a Patreon. It. If you want us to do any <laughs> Amityville, you're gonna have to pay us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm willing to go to a certain point, but once we get to Dollhouse, that's where I draw the fucking line, man. <laughs> well, isn't Dollhouse the last one that's like officially in like canon? That's I, like a, I honestly don't know because <laughs> there was so many, like you could. Child of the 80s. Amityville movies were kind of rare to come by in my neighborhood. It was one of those you either found them or you didn't. And unfortunately, during the time uh, I was in the video stores, we had one, we had two, and then that was about it. They didn't order anymore. Because well, at that time, think this was, one bombs, uh, Nightmare this one on Elm Street so well. was picking up. Nightmare on Elm Street was picking up. Uh, Jason was picking up. Halloween was picking up. So, you know, a lot of the rental stores were going towards the known uh, 
franchises that were doing well and you know the big companies versus well, i think also they were picking events. up a lot of movies on, on video that had gotten theatrical releases i think a lot of the mom and pop stores probably didn't get as many as the you know the actual straight to video fairs i mean they you know they're not like a blockbuster back in the day where they could get 15 copies of something no it was all about who your distributor was back then and you know movie joints that had distributors movie distributors were expensive you mean you're talking 40 dollars of vhs back in the day oh yeah gosh it wasn't even until what the early 90s that they actually had some videos come out for 20 dollars. they called them cost effective videos back in the day i did hell i think uh, uh crocodile yeah. dundee might have been the first one i seem to remember an article about that it was either crocodile dundee or one yeah or two, as a matter but. of fact i think it was the paramount line that started the cost effective movies where you can pick up movies for like 20 bucks you know yeah, and then that thus became the boom of the home video library but we digress folks we digress we could get into a whole thing about straight to video movies which we already got a show based on that so back <laughs> back to amityville 3d we had to take a break there that was like our little five minute coffee break you know yes but uh the next scene we had was melanie's arctic blast chill again is so loud <laughs> she opens up oh, a doorway God, yeah. and it just starts blowing frost at her you know uh-huh. i guess it's like hey we're gonna blow some snow at you and turn your face white and john comes home a few minutes later and her candy clark again fine actress but man i, I don't i i'm gonna chalk it up to bad direction to be quite honest i i think you know the director told her just act as freaked out as you possibly can she screamed and yelled and wouldn't take you wouldn't even let john get a word in as edgewise she leaves just to be so calm the next evening <laughs> I, I, I i i don't get it. it's, a, it's a little uneven folks yeah um i actually have uh, two jokes written down here about that special effect uh one was what it feels like to chew five gum <laughs> <laughs> um and it was like wh- what was that it was like i mean if that was fucking it looked like that's seriously what it looked like it was a bad five gum commercial it's like oh yeah try cinnamon satan anus blast <laughs> what, like, what is that like a demonic fart blowing up the fucking stairs is it a fucking chill wind is it a friggin I, I, what is it <laughs> they don't explain it it just it's the fucking ghost of baby powder past <laughs> our homes are tested against hurricane winds <laughs> it's like what yeah but that's so, really what like makes her freaked out she, she's got pictures of like demon ghost face guy that doesn't freak her out nearly as bad as you know a cold breeze blowing up some snow up the the staircase at her i i again a little bit uneven that's why like the humor in this movie i think is purely unintentional which is why it doesn't work it, if it had been deliberate in amityville 3d had been a deliberate like horror comedy i think would have worked better i think it would have worked probably a lot would have if they were just saying hey we're not taking this one serious we're going to go you know we're going from evil dead one to evil dead two route you know they well, embraced well, even, it even evil dead two despite it having comic comedic moments it still has some really creepy looking stuff in there henrietta in the basement was fucking oh, yeah, creepy. The, yeah the eye pop scene where she swallows an eyeball Ugh. i mean we're <laughs> ash chainsaws off his own hand it's not pretty folks you know no so you can say again the effects that Practical effects are there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, use them. Use them. Please. Please. <laughs> and, and would you agree the next scene is where yeah, pretty much is the point of no return? Because he's fucking kids. Meg Ryan, Lisa. It's like, you know, you can have sex with a ghost. And this place was built on an ancient burial ground. So let's get our friends together and have a seance with a homemade Ouija board. Yeah. Uh, Great idea. Right, yeah. This is not not a good start. And then there's another laughable moment. There's a laughable moment that comes before the seance that I made a note of. When Melanie finds the face using the magnifying glass in the picture, and it's very clearly a cut-and-pasted photograph within a photograph of the demon face that's in the blown-up picture that she took. It looks like it's winking at her like, hey, how are you? You know. <laughs> how you doing <laughs> you know i need, need to make a left turn in albuquerque 
Oh my god. But that Melanie's found out too much, so now the house decides to kill her. First it's the attack of the horse flies. She almost gets killed by the I'm just gonna guess it's the truck that killed all the kids from uh Final Destination two. You know, because that the, the truck almost gets her, then the pictures catch on fire, burn her to a crisp so there's nothing left but a, a charred skeleton. And then the car catches on fire when this really long scene when the when the the passing motorist just kind of slowly approaches. Oh, my God. Everything takes way too long in this movie. It's yeah, they they use more shots going like people walking from this point A to point B and panning up and panning down and panning over than they did actually using, you know, shots that were good for their movie. Yeah, I mean, like, it was just a lot of long exposition, expositional kind of shots that just, I just, like, after a while, you can only show so many shots of this house before it does become a bit boring, you know, it's a beautiful home, and beautifully creepy, you know, I might add, but it's just, yeah, I think it was just uneven, they didn't know whether it wanted to be a haunted house movie, it didn't know if it wanted to be a monster movie. It didn't know if it wanted to be something like, you know, the Poltergeist or the Exorcist. It was just so uneven. I think that's the the, the biggest it problem really with it. It really is. It's so off balance. It really is. That's that's a good way of putting it. Missed opportunity, by the way. Uh, the pipe through the fucking uh, car. They should have put it through her head. Well, yeah, I mean, it would have been more impressive That'd than the, been a great, than her I mean, think about on. that for a second. That pipe going through the back of her head in a 3D effect and splattering at the camera versus catching on fire. And then the fire stops for some reason, and the passenger opens it up. The skeleton pops up at him to go, boom, motherfucker. And the yeah, fire starts on fire again. The, the skeleton re- reaches out to him like like, like an ooga booga kind of moment. And like, I don't get it. Help me. <laughs> I'm charbroiled. I want it to be medium rare, damn it. And then my absolute next line is, John Baxter is still a schmuck. Still a schmuck. Still an <laughs> idiot. My next note was... You know what? Flies just aren't that fucking scary. No, they're not. No. Everything starts with a fly buzzing or a fly, you know, the sound of a fly buzzing around and flying around when they couldn't afford to actually put the little <laughs> black raisinette dots all over the screen. Well, that's because you know why? The flies follow this turd wherever it goes. Like the piece of <laughs> shit that it is. <laughs> Uh, do you think it was the same fly that was on Mike Pence's head during the debates? That <laughs> was, maybe that's how he got how he got the starring role. <laughs> I don't know. I know if it landed on Ted Cruz's lip, he'd eat it like that booger he did. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, God, excuse me. Oh, God, yeah. Hard to take any politician seriously when they eat a live when they eat a booger on live TV. You know? Yeah, I recall <laughs> like, that. Oh. Yeah, the po- American politics is pretty. <laughs> Dead in the water when you get your politicians eating boogers live on television, I must say. But again, <laughs> flies just aren't that scary. Even in oh. a swarm of thousands of them, I would just be more or less mildly annoyed. Right, I wouldn't be fucking breathing in through my mouth, that's for damn sure. Oh, but uh, I, I, I didn't know that you could make your own Ouija board. I mean, these kids just, like, tear a bunch of notebook paper up and make a Ouija board out on the ground using a water glass. That's the first and only time in a movie I think I've ever seen that. Now, if, if you've seen it before in a movie, please let me know. If, but I've never, I've never seen I've it. I've seen it a couple of places. Okay. I've seen it in some TV shows. I've seen it in a couple other places. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a standard uh, way to make a Ouija board because, you know, Satan's easy to contact. <laughs> yeah. He's got a business card. I mean, come on. Uh, but the friends get it. They, they, we, I mean, there's, like you said, there's so many wasted moments with the 3D effects that they waste on things like the fish flying at the camera later on or this next shot where they. Oh, the 3D move. Frisbee? The 3D <laughs> Frisbee, man. It's like you don't use it for something like a scare effect or for a horror effect or blood or anything, let's use it for a frisbee coming at you. Cause that's, you know, fucking riveting. Yeah. 
but the, the 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 kids like the all the other kids have the great idea not not lisa not not uh susan uh they, they have the idea to let, let's take dad's boat out on those choppiest of choppy fucking waters like that would be not not, not ideal boat weather no, you know, <laughs> I don't even get in the water. And I was like, why are you guys getting in that boat, man? That shit looks kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. It, waters look a little choppy. Now, we did miss one thing in the story. The, the mother, she had, uh, you know, forbidden her daughter. I think uh, the mother's name was uh, Nancy, played by Tess Harper. Again, yes. another great character actress. Uh, but. She's forbidden her daughter to go to the house and stay there after everything that's happened. So the daughter hadn't come home. She, you know, figures out that's where she's at. She goes into the house looking for her, not knowing that they're out on the lake in this boat. And this is really the best scene of the movie, I think. It's very creepy because Susan comes in, starts walking up the stairs. She's drenched, soaking wet. And the mom's like, hey, what's wrong? Why are you all wet? What happened? She just looks at her, smiles, continues up the steps with her mom calling out after her the entire time until she goes in her room and locks the door behind her. So she's freaking out that something's wrong with her daughter. While simultaneously outside, John Baxter is showing up, you know, getting groceries and whatnot. And he looks over and sees the all the kids have gathered around the dock where the boat is uh, sit. And they're dragging Susan out, and he freaks out. Susan's dead. She flew out of the, the she quote unquote flew out of the boat, which we never see it on camera. She flies out of the boat and just died, or I mean, I don't know if the spirits killed her, if the house killed her, or if she was supposed to have drowned or whatever. But I all thought we that, can officially say is that she drowned because that's right. I, that's all we know. Yeah, that's it's right. Off camera death. Boo. Yeah. You know what? I didn't realize until I watched this movie this time. I've really only watched this movie three, four times in my life. But in this particular viewing, I did not realize that this movie was rated PG. So that's why all the deaths, most of them happen off screen. or oh, That very explains so much. Non-graphic. Ways. I mean, I'm surprised yeah, we I didn't got the burnt up the... corpse. I'm not surprised real. we got that, the burnt up corpse of Melanie. I was surprised we got that once I realized we were going into PG. I'm not even PG-13. I don't think, did PG-13 exist? Back in 83? I'm not too sure. I don't think so because Bachelor Party had nudity and it was PG. Yeah, yeah, must have been. Must have been later because I can't remember what the first PG-13 movie was. Can't remember. Hmm, that, that doesn't matter. It's for another show. <laughs> but at this point, Creepy Susan, all wet, dead Susan outside. The, the mom is not like taking it she's like i just saw susan even though she's looking at her dead daughter laying on the ground and they're trying to resuscitate her the ambulance has showed up she doesn't believe it she's like come back in the house i just seen her inside the house i'll prove it to you and you know she loses her fucking marbles and you know you it's one thing in this movie that you can understand you could understand somebody who's like hey i just saw my daughter who was just walking through the house like 60 seconds ago, you can't tell me that's her laying there dead. Right. I, I understand it. It's only one time where somebody goes a little nutsoid in a movie and you're just like, no. That's she's- understandable, right? <laughs> she's completely fucking confused. And by the way, while we're talking about the parents talking about dealing with the death of their daughter, really, really bad acting for John Baxter. Oh. <laughs> so oh, no, he's trying Susan. to be stoic. He's trying to be stoic, but he's just like... He sounds like he dropped a casserole. Not the tuna. That's 39 cents a can. Ah, shit. Look at the noodles. (laughs) (laughs) To quote George Garland. Right. Ah, shit. Look at... Oh, gosh. I was scared. I dropped my hot pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck, look at the noodles. That's pretty much his reaction to his daughter dying. He has the same blank stare as he did when uh, Clifford was dying in front of him. But apparently this guy's just seen so much shit in his day that he just is not affected by death, even that of his own, you know, his own kids and shit, I I guess. I I don't quite get it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just... That's like, oh, that's what you went for, huh? That's, that's 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 the Im, Im, what you were trying to emote. Okay, I got you, partner. Yeah. Well, then what does he do? 
he decides to call upon Dr. Uh, West. Not not Herbert West, because that would have been an entirely different kind of movie. But after having a, a nightmare that takes place at the portal to hell, where he, you know, believes Sarah's down. Not Sarah, sorry. <clears throat> Susan is down in that, that portal to hell that was basically just a big well. Uh, he just, you know. <laughs> He, yeah, he we get our first shot of the Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid, <laughs> Kool-Aid yeah. Now it's filled, but now it's filled with liquid. Like, how did it, like, they never explain it. Like, it's never filled with liquid. It's just this endless dark chasm that's, chasm that's empty. Right, now it's, it's bubbling with, with great blue dainty Kool-Aid and friggin' not just like the friggin' commercial. Here comes Susan's corpse out of the water. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and he wakes up all, <laughs> And he's like, okay, now shot. You know, he sees that his daughter dead in front of him. He doesn't. He doesn't like get affected by that. He sees the. He has a nightmare about the green Kool Aid that the you know the 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 hole is filled with ecto cooler from Ghostbusters, and he finally decides to go to Doctor West, and so he's going to hire his team to come in with all their, you know, I know this predated Ghostbusters, but it really does feel like you know, budget Ghostbusters to the rescue. You know, they got all this, like, you know, equipment. They're coming in. They're going to prove once and for all because or the soon-to-be ex-wife, Nancy, says, you know, the fantasy is that Susan drowned. The reality is that she's still stuck here in this house. I'm like, okay. All yes, right, sure. Well, here's another thing, though. He wakes up from... Here's, the, here's this another missed opportunity. He wakes up from that nightmare. And he goes into the kitchen and his ex-wife is there ironing laundry and the rest of the kitchen is fucking just trashed. Oh, yeah, totally trash. And he's looking around and he goes, what the hell happened? And he's like, oh, she's still here. And it's like, okay, well, you know, it's like they they missed the opportunity. They should have showed that actually happening in the house of her throwing shit around and... All this other stuff, but instead we get it. It's already done. It could be the fact that he's just a slob and a writer. Right. We don't know. <laughs> Missed opportunities. Oh, uh, yeah. So much in this movie, good half of it happens off camera. And that, yeah, which is a no-no. Yeah, it's a no-no. You can have a scene like that in your movie where something happens off camera, but the moment you have it where it's like you have – you know, 12 opportunities to show us something, but it keeps happening off camera. No matter what, if you do that and do it repeatedly, it just comes across right. as cheap. Very right. cheap. You do, it, you do it one time and you use it as a red herring. Right, right. You know, something that you can do, you know, and have a big reveal later, you know, but. Yeah, you're like, oh, you thought it was this person the entire time. Nope, they've been dead in this trunk the whole entire time. <laughs> right. Oh, but. I just didn't get like first he hires that team with uh, with uh, Robert Joy's character. I forgot uh, Doctor West. First he hires the team to come to that house to debunk our fake warrants. Right, and that's what he was hired to do there before debunk the fake warrants. Now he's hiring the same team to come in and prove that there is some real shit going on at the house. I would be really skeptic if I was this team. Be like, you know, I mean, like, hey, as long as the guy's signing the checks. You know, we'll fire up our equipment and go to the house, but, like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> you know, first he <laughs> hires us to debunk shit. Now he's just like, hey, prove my theory here. My daughter, my daughter's dead. Like, yeah, you probably killed her, you sick fuck. <laughs> right, or something. Oh, we get another great 3D shot during this scene, too, which is the microphone shot. Oh, yeah, when they turn the boom mic towards the camera. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking stupid. It's dumb. Like when they do that, the 3D effects were not cheap to produce back then. To waste it on something like that or on a frisbee no, being thrown at the camera mean, when they, they could have done it something to amplify the scare factor. Right. Something. I mean, even if it looked like shit, I mean, like Jaws 3D, for example, that's another shit 3D movie from the 80s. At least in that movie, they tried to make their shit scary with the friggin' 3D limb coming at you and stuff like that. But yeah, do it when you got the shark coming at you. <laughs> even when we get the reveal here in a little bit of the the, the chud, you know, they didn't even <laughs> use that to an effect with the 3D. It just no. happens. It's just I don't know. Seems like so much of this movie is disjointed. 
uh, it's layered real bad. It just doesn't, you know, uh, the levels of like unintentional humor and the, oh God, yeah, it's so bad. But I mean, we get there where the activity starts happening in the house. The effect is so bad. It looks like a floating fucking purple sweater. (laughs) It's just like, oh, is this supposed to be your daughter's cardigan or something? Yeah, purple Uh, haze. (laughs) <laughs> like we didn't raise susan we raised Jimi hendrix for fuck's sake yeah you know what i haven't seen quality i haven't seen quality special effects like this since the jefferson's airplane concert <laughs> <laughs> those might have been mushrooms though man it might have been <laughs> i don't know I've, I've never seen a floating grape jelly you know right what, uh, it like a blob of grape jelly floating down the hall I'm in search of peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just that that was their big payoff is watching the mom slowly walk through the house and then slowly walk through like it had more walking in this scene than the entire like Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, you yeah. know, just walking down the steps into the first level and then walking down the steps into the basement. Well, let's follow her. <laughs> You know, it's so the, the the green ecto cooler is 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 boiling now. You know, overflowing and boiling. She leaves them there, so the doctor decides to get involved, and he's he's convinced that they can pull Susan from the other side. But there is no Susan. There's a fire breathing chud that demon like chud that comes out of the portal, breathes fire, burns off half his half his face, and then drags him into the churning ecto cooler. But with no type of explanation, is this like all of a sudden it went from possession and you know and haunted house movie to chuds? And I'm all about you know having some chud action in your movie, but have it make sense, <laughs> right? Just saying. It was just saying. It was either that, or maybe it wasn't a chud, man. It quite possibly could have been a mutated naked mole rat. Uh, yeah, it could have been one of the mole people. It could have been very when, much. So. You know, I mean, but the face roasting. It's a bit sus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, I mean, that's almost the end of the movie at that point. I mean, it, it's sad to say that this was the the high point they wanted to end out on because then, like. Yeah, this five, is the 10 minute mark where all the fucking budget went into the movie. Yes. We got, you know, the fire that shoots out of the portal that turns into ice and then the ice explodes and then everything starts a combination of either freezing in the house or getting caught on fire where the house all crumbles and falls apart. And pretty much the house just fucking implodes on itself. They never say why. They never cross over a line. They never get to really do anything that makes the house implode like that. They don't really, it, nothing really happens. It just kind of is, you know? <laughs> it's just like, okay, we need to make the house explode in a shower of like ice crystals, glass flying in every direction. Fire flying in every direction. Oh, while have, we're at it, let's take this fucking no-name schmuck of an actor and use him for a 3D shot, and we're going to fling him right at the camera. Right, right. <laughs> that was like the Which, one time they, they used the 3D to a correct effect. The effect yeah, maybe didn't work, but they, yeah, it, it was... It made me uh, laugh. <laughs> it was like, yeah, oh, fuck. And this is where we get the, the swordfish that flies at the camera. Missed and, opportunity and, number three. Oh, gosh. Should have yeah. skewered somebody. It should have skewered the schmuck John Baxter or somebody. Or either some other random asshat. I mean, come on. No, just sticks in the wall. <sighs> Missed opportunity. Yeah, even if it was just going to wound somebody. You know? Just, just yeah, have a shoulder like, shot or something. Come on. Right, yeah, you know? Take out somebody's kidney or something. You know, be all right. Oh, and that's just pretty much the end of our movie. You know, we get the, the the couple, you know, Nancy and John are watching the house kind of burn and implode on itself. And that's, I mean, that, that's the end. There, there's nothing else going on. And oh no, there is it. Huh? One fly escaped from oh, the well. One fly, yeah. <sighs> we'll yeah. follow them just like the turd that it is. This this okay. This is the difference between the movie we reviewed this week and the one we re- reviewed last week. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, another case of a bad sequel. And we cover them all here. You know, we cover 
good ones and bad ones. You know, that's the thing. But, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 was a bad sequel that was fun to watch. Yes. It made me laugh out by how ridiculous it was. This one made me laugh out loud by how bad it was. Like, I really like the first two. I like Amityville 1 and then The Possession, which was officially kind of a prequel to part one. Both really good movies. This is just really bad. And, and it's not done in an intentionally bad B-movie-ish way. They thought they were making a legit, like, they thought they were making the fucking Exorcist with this movie. Yeah, they, they really did think they were making a gem. <laughs> but, yeah, but as they would find their 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 flies would fall around their big turd wherever they went. I, Yeah, I can't say I'm a fan of this one at all. I mean, I enjoyed yeah. getting to watch it again. Having, I, I don't know when the last time I watched this was. It was probably the 90s, so it's probably been a good, <laughs> you know, good almost 30 years since I watched it. And uh, it might be another decade or two before I watch it again, unless, unless I ha- have nothing else to watch and it's the sole copy of a, <laughs> of any movie that I have available to me, which as far as my collection goes, will not be a problem anytime soon. But uh, that being said, let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts and rate this sucker. You know how we do around <laughs> here. Uh, scale from one to 10. If you can, uh, if you can find a rating on a scale from one to 10 that fits this movie. Oh, I can definitely find the scale of one to 10 that fits this movie. It's a solid two. It's a solid uh, number two, just like the turn it is. <laughs> yeah it even has the flies <laughs> it, you know it, it leads you in a trail right where you know you need to go you want to find Amityville 3 if you had a local video store you would be able to find it just follow the trail of flies to the big old pile of shit in a video box well if you want to watch this pile of shit I can tell you that it's on YouTube for free yep it's also on uh, it's on Tubi it's on Pluto you can watch it just if you can watch on any of those platforms for free. Please don't spend any money to watch it. Whatever yeah, money this really movie don't. has made, it, it, save it for the therapy you're going to need afterwards. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find yourself a therapist. They're going to have to like help you about as much as Na- the character Nancy needed help in this movie. Okay. You're going to need some help scrambling, rescrambling your marbles. But uh, I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to match your number two. I was contemplating giving it a one and a half, but I'll match her two because it seems to be fitting to call this movie, which is pretty much a big old pile of number two. Yep. But, but like I said, but that being said, I can still recommend Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 to people who want a bad movie to watch because they want to have a good time watching something fun. This yeah. is a bad movie that's not fun. Right, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, you can get in a room with your friends, have some beers, smoke a little weed, do whatever you got to get together and do. And you can sit there and chuckle and laugh and have a good old time because it's funny and it's bad funny. It's good quality cheese sauce. Then you got Amityville 3D, which is a chore to watch. You put this in a room with five friends, drink beer and smoke weed. They're going to get up and they're going to go outside or they're going to wander around or play video games. They're, they're going to shut this off because it's a boring. Yeah, they're going to end up uh, looking at the of a film. Phone. Yeah, it's a chore to get through. It's not fun. Some of the other following sequels and different, you know, reboots and re-editions and everything are much better than this. And this would be the last theatrical movie, which is sad because a couple of the sequels that came up after this are are just much better than, you know, uh, than this version. And they, I mean, I'm not saying they deserved um, theatrical releases. Maybe they did, (laughs) but... They deserved a better chance than this movie was given. Uh, the money they pumped into this movie, it, it shows up on screen in the last 10 minutes, but it's also ridiculous that it just do, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pay off. It just It's PG trash, man. PG trash. Best way I can describe it. Number yeah. two out of 10, you know. Uh, you might step in number two if you're watching this movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can sit through another bad sequel, at least not not for at least another week or two. I got I got to reset and reboot myself. <laughs> yeah. And the tagline for it is perfect. Warning: In this movie, you are the victim. That is absolutely goddamn true. That's right. That's an hour and thirty three minutes. You'll never get back. No, no. So we watched it, folks. So you don't have to take it from us. It's a big steaming pile of number two. 
But we hope you uh, were entertained at least uh, in part uh, by some of the anecdotes we had to say. Uh, hopefully entertained more than that you were by if you had to watch this movie. But that being said, we'll bid you all a fond farewell. Thanks for joining us again here as sequel to Deja Vu. Uh, thanks, Eric, for coming on again. We've done a couple of these this last few weeks. It's been fun. We'll pick oh, a better one next time. I don't know what we'll do next. Maybe we'll do like a Friday the 13th sequel or something or a Halloween sequel, something fun. <laughs> yes. Loomis going crazy. I don't know. We'll figure something out, but we'll bring you some more sequels and hopefully maybe this time it'll be a good one. So as always, thank you for listening, folks, and keep tuning back in to sequel to Deja Vu. You have no right. You can't do that.